This is Gordon Vernick with Jazz Insights. Today, we're going to conclude with the music of the bassist, Scott LaFaro. I'd like to call the show today Day in the Life, and this show is really going to focus on the live recordings done on June 25th, 1961 at the Village Vanguard. That day, the Evans Trio did a number of sets in the afternoon and the evening, which were all recorded. These are wonderful recordings that run the gamut from slow, moody ballads to very up-tempo pieces to really freewheeling performances and some that are more conventional and conservative, but um, they are fantastic recordings nonetheless. I've picked uh, five or six of my favorite tracks, and uh, we're going to give a listen to each one of these and try to examine what, what I feel are the most important features of these particular tracks. The first track we're going to listen to is A Lovely Waltz, written by Sammy Fain. We're going to pick it up in the middle of the first chorus, and and what I really want you to pay particular attention to is the interaction between Bill Evans and Scott LaFaro, the musical conversation, the kind of musical jousting match that that takes place. A little more than a week later, uh, LaFaro passed away tragically in a car accident, and I I don't know, but I, I get this feeling that he just let it all out on these particular sessions at the Vanguard. I mean, he holds back nothing. Neither do any of the other musicians, but I really feel it, the impending events that are, that are, that are on the horizon for him, and, and he's just pouring his soul out on these recordings. So let's check out some excerpts from Alice in Wonderland. Successive chorus of that song um, becomes more interesting and more complicated and more exciting as it grows. It's really it's great the way that the songs were planned because the initial statement of the melody it has a certain amount of fragmentation between um, Evans playing the melody, Lafaro playing the bass part, and Motien kind of interjecting um, these patterns on the drum set. And then when they hit the first chorus, that's when things really become interesting. So most of the songs kind of follow that pattern more or less. There's one section at the end of this track that I just find just incredibly charming when Evan starts playing these um, these chords to kind of moving down by half steps. I guess we might call that musical planing, but it's just really beautiful the way it takes place. So let's just check this out. Mm-hmm. 
they were doing such interesting things in terms of rhythm, um, actually, I guess more specifically, displaced rhythm and hiding the first beat in the measure. When you listen to them, you, you, sometimes you think, well, where's the first beat in the measure? The first beat is really important because that's kind of a signpost that lets you know where you are in relationship to the song. And, and it was always there. There was never a question in this group where the first beat was. But for an uninitiated listener, it's very disconcerting. And, and that was my experience the first time I heard these recordings. I was like, well, where's the first beat? It's there. Um, they're just disguising it. And um, Evans really has a marvelous way of doing that. And if you don't know where to look, it could be elusive. The next track um, is one of my favorites. It's a slow, moody ballad entitled Detour Ahead. They play the song in ballad tempo. In other words, one, two, three, four. And once they play it through at that tempo, they double it up. One, two, three, four, two, two, three, four. So the song has been compressed to 50% of the initial length, if that makes sense. It's a beautiful song. And at this tempo, you can really hear the way um, LaFaro is playing these, these little bass melodies. And he's not really playing the bass in a conventional uh, walking style, but it, it, this is a, a magnificent recording. So let's check out some of the ballad, and then we'll check it out when they double it up. Something about the record that really makes it one of the classic recordings in jazz history is the quality of the recording. You can hear every note. I mean, it's incredibly transparent. And even the background sound of the glasses clinking and occasionally you hear someone cough, I think really adds to the overall ambience of the record. It's like you are there. It's not like a kind of a sterile um, studio recording. It's it's a live performance in front of people who are you know paying very careful attention. You don't hear much talking. Occasionally you can hear someone, uh, a voice, but the recording quality is, is really impeccable. LaFaro plays in the low register with a deep ringing uh, sound, then all of a sudden he'll pop up into the high register. Same track, let's move ahead to where they double it up.
Later on in that track, LaFaro plays a wonderful bass solo. But today's show, I really want to focus on the ensemble of, of the three musicians and how they interact. The next track we're going to listen to is called Glorious Step, which is one of the few pieces that Scott LaFaro wrote. He, he didn't compose a lot of songs, but from what I understand, he had little snippets of melodies that maybe later on in life he probably would have turned them into full-blown compositions. But this is probably his most famous composition. Again, it's called Glorious Step. It was dedicated to his fiancée at the time, and she was a dancer, and the melody and the rhythm of the melody reminded him of hearing her walk up the stairs um, to their apartment in New York City. So I'd like to play an excerpt of his bass solo on his own composition, a a wonderful solo. Need I say more? Let's just check out his solo on Glorious Step. track that I consider to be the most interesting and complex is Solar, which is a uh, song um, attributed to Miles Davis. Um, it's, a, it's a short song. It's a 12-measure song. And from the very beginning of this track to the end, you know you're going to be in for something very, very special. The interaction is of the highest level. At first, it's, it's kind of disconcerting because you're, you're trying to figure out where the first beat in the measure is, where does the chorus end. There's no question that they know exactly where they are in this very short song. interesting track, rhythmically speaking, the most complex, most freewheeling uh, of all the recordings they made at the session. 
Um, later on in that track, uh, LaFaro plays a monumental three-minute bass solo. He, he, he had amazing stamina to make it through you know, three minutes of choruses with uh, Bill Evans improvising and then to take a three-minute chorus. And then each successive chorus is more and more complex and much more and, and interesting. We're going to close the show with probably the most famous recording from that session, and this is Bill Evans' um, original composition called Waltz for Debbie. It's probably the most conventionally constructed song, and in terms of interaction, not nearly at the level of solar, but a beautiful song nonetheless, and is one of those pieces that's always been associated with this particular trio, and I'm sure that Evans you know, kept that in his repertoire for, for, for many years. Um, it starts out as a waltz because it's a waltz for Debbie. Then there's a transition, which is um, really interesting, and they go into 4-4 four, four time, and then they play the melody again in 4-4 four, four time. Um, Evans takes a chorus, and Scott LaFaro's um, bass solo on this is, is really one of the most memorable. Waltz for Debbie from Live at the Vanguard, June 25th, 1961. This has been Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. Visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com. Jazz Insights is produced by WMLB AM 1690, the voice of the arts in Atlanta, Georgia.